right, guys, welcome back to Marlins 9. As always, I'm Jeremiah Geiger, and unfortunately, the season is over. Got swept in the wildcard series to the Philadelphia Phillies. But to recap it all and to join the podcast, I'm super excited, is the voice of the Miami Marlins from Marlins Radio Network himself, Kyle Seeloff. Kyle, thank you for taking the time to be on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Jeremiah. Um, this is fun, dude. Thanks for asking me to do it. Everybody always thanks me for doing it. Thanks for uh, thanks for asking me, man. I'm happy to sit here and chat Marlins baseball. I'm sad that we have to do it now. I guess we certainly could still be playing, but um, what an awesome year, dude. But thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. And you said it. What a what an awesome season. I think, you know, we were chatting a little bit before the, the show started and just – in my time of being a fan, this certainly has been the most special season I've witnessed. Um, just to be able to go to the playoffs and play postseason baseball, it wasn't the result we wanted. Unfortunately, couldn't get it done. The Phillies are on a roll. But to be able to put ourselves in that position and get there, certainly um, and it's all about the journey. And it's not always about the end result because at the end of the day, only two teams are going to battle for the World Series and one remains on top, but certainly a special season. And, you know, just listening to the games, I really enjoy when I'm not able to watch the Marlins on TV to be able to listen to you announce the games and feel that passion. It's awesome, man. I really I really value that. Well, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, Jeremiah, like I even sent out a tweet when the season was over. Like, I'm a fan, man. Like. They were crazy enough to give me this opportunity, and um, but I'm a fan. I'm a fan like everybody else. I, I, I watch the game like everybody else. I, uh, I'll get ticked off like everybody else, right? Uh, I know I have to be professional. Um, <laughs> I mean, like you know, the the passion for me isn't fake. I love baseball. I love the Marlins, and I tell people all the time, truthfully, the passion for me came from these players. They were the nicest group of guys you could ever ask to be around they held each other accountable they were professional they were adults they treated you with respect i think that came from skip schumacher but and i i i often think about it i'm like you know why why am i so passionate right people have passions you know i love baseball is that why i'm passionate and the more i think about it i'm like i think it's because of these guys dude like they're, they're the greatest group of guys to root for. I wanted them to win. I felt like I wanted them to win more than anybody else did. And I think a lot of people felt that way, right? You probably felt like, gosh, that that this loss, why this loss hurt me tonight more than any other. Or that there's nobody happier tonight than me because they won. And as a fan, like, you know, th- that's how it should feel. And at the end of the day, it's like, ah, oh, it's baseball. Come on, what are we doing? It's sports. But, you know, it's. Oh, what a year, dude. And I uh, really, I'm a fan. I'm passionate about it. And uh, again, thanks for listening, man. Yeah, we love our Marlins. And when you care so deeply about a team like that, you become connected. It's, it really is ride or die. And each each little memory you have, you know, each at bat, you'll remember that nobody else does necessarily. But um, to be able to see this team, you know, get to the postseason after mm. all the years of losing and and rebuilds and just to get there it was incredible to see which kind of ties me into the first discussion point I wanted to bring up with you as someone who 
quite literally watched the team in person and and talked about them every day and and brought that to to us fans um what was some of your favorite individual memories this season oh what an unfair question how much time did- <laughs> <laughs> i don't know you do you know it, it's a good question and i i don't know why i always go back to one particular moment before i start to think about others you know that let, let me start with the one that as i think about it more that i think you have to start with and it would be the arise cycle in philadelphia okay but after that, to me, it was the homestand when they were down three or four with nobody on and two out in the ninth inning against the Nationals, and Soler walked them off. For whatever reason, that walk-off, for me personally, and I don't know how the players feel or how other fans feel, triggered for me that, whoa, right? Like, what? That's crazy. You know, that's, the teams don't do that. You don't, you're not down by four and win with nobody on and two out in the ninth inning, and you know, and that, that that didn't, like, catapult all the one-run wins and all the comeback wins. But I was like, geez, that's a, that's a special one. I mean, that's a loss. You know, you don't win that game. You, you go home, you come back tomorrow, and you try to win a series or whatever it was. I mean, then after that, all the walk-offs, oh, you know, Jordan Hicks of the Cardinals throwing the ball away, the Yankees' six-run comeback. And oh, yeah. When they choked it up. Um you know, Jake Berger with 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 the walk-offs and Josh Bell with homers from both sides of the plate in Cincinnati, the grand slams by Jazz late in the season, the back to back to back homers, and I guess that was August. Um goodness gracious, you just think you you start to think in all of those what they end up with? 41 come from behind wins, I guess maybe it was 40 or 41, 42, crazy. The eight or nine walk-offs. Um Gosh, and I think that's what makes the season special. You said the word special. It was special, and it's special because of all those weird things that happen that generally just don't happen in a baseball season. You know, once a year, you might you might get one of those Hicks plays where somebody throws it away and you win a game. But it felt like the voodoo was on the Marlins' side all season long. Well, the, you know, I, I forgot to mention, Jesus Sanchez robbing the Grand Slam in Seattle. Oh, yeah. The De La Cruz hit down the left field line in Chicago against the White Sox on that Sunday afternoon. And those are just like, you don't come, you don't, you don't just do that as frequently as they did. Every team will do it a couple of times throughout a course of a season, but you just don't do it that much. Um, gosh. So to answer your question, I can't answer one moment because all of those, they just race back to you. And it's like, holy cow, the 15 inning win in Chicago. Joey Wendell comes off the injured list, hits that triple down the right field line. I forget who it scored. That was Alcantara. Remember, Sandy went into the ninth inning in that game. He had, I think he went eight and a third because they pulled him in the ninth. The Cubs got two to tie it. The Marlins won in 14 innings or 15 or whatever it was. But, geez, crazy. I guess it was a good year, wasn't it? It was an awesome year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, you mentioned all these different games, and now I'm, like, kind of playing it back in my mind. And yeah. it's – it's incredible. There was just so many of them. Another one for me personally was I got to drive up to DC earlier this summer and I saw it was Luis Arias. He had a five hit, five hit night. And yeah, one, I was, one of what? How many did he have? Four yeah, or five? Exactly. Uh, hit a, hit a, just a, you know, piss missile to right field for a home run and That's you right. know, hit after hit. And the crowd, obviously, it's pro nationals. 
and I'm one of the few Marlins fans there and I'm, you know, wearing my Marlin shirt and, you know, five for five and I'm yelling it. it. It's just, it was great. It was great to see these players like new faces emerge for us fans to really cheer for and get behind because yeah. When you had an old core of such likable players like Giancarlo mm-hmm. and Yelich, you know, and Romuto, um, and and the years go by, you didn't really establish a new identity with who you can get behind. And right. now all of a sudden you have Luis Arias and you have Sandy and Lu- Jesus Lizardo and it, and Braxton Garrett, somebody you know just coming out of nowhere. Uh, it was awesome to see. Um, another one. Uh, Kyle to get into is Yuri Perez like the emergence of Yuri Perez probably the most excitement I've had for a prospect that I can remember in a long time right when did what let me ask you this Jeremiah now I'm asking you the questions what like what year roughly did you become a fan and I'll, I'll tell you why I ask you that yeah I would say for me 2014 2014 okay so you 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 were a part of the Jose years um right he he reminded me a lot of Jose now the thing about Yuri was that we knew he was coming. Like, but when, when, when was this kid going to mm-hmm. get to the big leagues? Right. Jose wasn't supposed to get out of spring training in 2013. It was due to the injuries that he ultimately made his major league debut in New York and punched out David Wright for his first strikeout and all that stuff. And he, that was like, that was like, Whoa, wait, who's this? Right. But Yuri, it was, it was this buildup and you would just hear about the top right-handed pitcher in all of minor league baseball. And he belongs to the Marlins and, it's a hundred and he's big and tall and he, you know, he was locker mates with Sandy. They want him to be together, right? These two are going to tag team the future. Um, and he was unbelievable. It, it, it's not very often that young prospects will live up to the billing. And that's just the truth. Like Skip Schumacher says all the time. And I've heard a lot of other people say this as well. There's no bigger leap in sports than minor leagues or triple A or double A. To the big leagues, right? Like, and do you take any other sport, like the, the G League and the NBA, you could probably go to the NBA and hold your own. There's no comparison to the NFL. And, you know, hockey is, you, you can kind of do it, right? And that's not to be disparaging to those sports, but for whatever reason, and I guess it's simply just because of the monster difference between AAA baseball or AA baseball in the big leagues, it is the hardest to make that jump and be successful. And Yuri just walked to that mound with like this composure and this poise and this attitude. Like, like I belong. I remember his first start. You guys can go back and watch this or listen. I should say you should go back and listen. Yeah. But um, I remember saying this. I think he he might have gotten an out or he walked somebody in the first inning. And you immediately, I mean, the kid is five minutes into his major league debut. You could see him on the mound like making a correction, like slowing himself down. I forget exactly what he was doing. He was like doing something with his shoulders or he knew he was doing something wrong. That's rare for a guy that's five minutes into his debut. His head is spinning. He's 19 years old or 20 years old. And he has like the presence of mind out there. He's like, all right, slow down. Hold on a minute. Let me get, it's like, whoa, like that's, that's different. Guys don't do that. Position players or pitchers that, that was different. And I just remember seeing that very early on. And, you know, and then obviously they had to be careful with him. But to me, there was a bit of that Jose excitement. It's like, oh, it's Yuri Day, right? Like, whoa, here he comes again. Like, 
what's he got in store? And they had to keep a very close eye on him. Never pitched more than six innings, maybe threw over 90 pitches once or whatever. Obviously had to shut him down in the summer, which was hard for everybody to, to not understand, but to just swallow. It's like, gosh, like he, he was that impactful. It's, it's, it's very difficult for somebody that's pitching once every five days to make that kind of an impact. And he did. And that's what that's what was was such a treat to watch, and what makes you think like down the road like whoa this kid's gonna be so good and he's ours right that's the best part he's mm-hmm. the Marlins he's ours for a long time. It it was like an art form when he came oh. up the way he just took to the mound and obviously we knew he had all the stuff but you said young prospects it's a big question mark and right I, his debut correct me if I'm wrong, was against Cincinnati at home, I, I yeah. believe. Yes, because then he came struck back. Out seven. He came back, it was against Cincinnati on the road. Mm-hmm. You're right. And so he strikes out seven at home, and I'm like, okay, this this kid's like, we got something here. And yeah. then it's like a string of five innings, five innings, shutout ball, shutout ball. I remember he he's pitching against the Angels and strikes out Trout and Otani, and I'm like, it did feel like Jose all over again. It, it yeah, really was deja vu. And just, you know, his emergence was so special. And, you know, to see him and, and to see guys also battle, like, you know, Jesus Luzardo, somebody who had been doubted for so long. And is yeah. he for real? Is he a bust? Come out and become one of the most consistent pitchers for Miami. Braxton Garrett, another amazing story. His team was about grit. It was, it was, you know, so easy to get behind and root for now and root for going into next year. And I, I can't wait for next year. Well, there's no doubt about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny you say that. They, they were a gritty ball club. I said this a lot down the stretch. They were also very confident. You know, to me, there was never a point during the season that was like, it's us against the world and everybody doubted us and nobody believes in us. No, they were kind of like, no, we just think we have a good team. <laughs> like right. we're go out there and play. We're going to win. Right. So that was, it wasn't that, that's what I thought was because, you know, you'll get that rallying cry from like, you know, what you would consider like the low payroll ball clubs that make the postseason. you know, like, like nobody believes in us. You know, we're not the, all those players, you know, they're, they're all on minimum salaries and they don't have the star, you know, and, and then that can get to the clubhouse. It's like, well, nobody believes in us, right? Like what we're going to prove all these people wrong. No, they were kind of like, yeah, well, we're going to prove them wrong, but we, we don't need that attitude or mentality. We're going to prepare the same way every day, whether we win or lose, we're going to show up, we're going to smile, we're going to laugh. And then when the lights come on and it's time to roll the dice, it's gonna we're gonna get serious and um you know it, it segues probably and it's it's not too far off the beaten path but that comes back to skip man it comes back to skip last february there was a culture it was we're gonna have fun but this is no nonsense and if we need to go back to the basics of baseball to make sure we're all on the same page and we're not out there doing stupid things costing us games it's what we're gonna do and the culture changed it changed in a hurry and a lot of what happened over the course of these last eight months is because of that man on the top step of the dugout. He was a lot of fun to watch. Oh, you got to give so much credit to Skip. I mean, to, to come in and establish, you said, the culture and the winning mentality of we expect to be here. You know, we're not we're not grateful or or, or wishing 
um, right. for each win. No, we we're expecting to win. And early on, I remember a quote from the veteran Yuli Guriel, who said he told the guys like, "Hey, this is you guys can make the postseason. You just have yep. to believe." And they did day in and day out. They believed, and now that they have a taste of you know of winning and what it's like to get to the postseason, especially skip. I just, I just am so excited for next year to carry that winning mentality into another postseason push. Let's do it again. Well, I think you make a great point. Um, the, the team that we just saw will never be the same again, right? Guys will have contracts, non-tendered guys become free agents. Guys could be traded. But the one thing that will forever remain consistent now under skip is a culture. And when you have the right culture, and that's an attitude, it's a belief, it's literal physical preparation, hard work, that's going to give you a chance, man. Like, that will give you a chance. And Skip has a say in things. He knows what he wants. And when he knows what he wants, he that means he knows if he gets what he wants, that can get them to where they want to be. And ultimately, that's another shot in the postseason, right? Get, get a seat at the table, as they say, let's get a seat at the table. Let's see what happens. Obviously, uh, Braves might be on the verge of losing their seat. Dodgers just lost theirs. The Brewer. I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? Like get in, grind for seven and a half months, get in, try to be as healthy as you can. Obviously the Marlins weren't no Yuri, no Sandy and all that stuff. And unfortunately they'll be without Sandy next season. But where I'm going with that is don't, count these guys out just because they're reigning Cy Young award winner of two years ago going into next year, they will not be available. Skip and his staff knows what it takes. They know what they want. Now, if what they want, if that's free agents, other teams are going to want free agents. Other teams will be, um, you know, putting, you know, kind of dropping that lure in the water to try to get that particular fish they're looking for. But this staff knows what it takes to get to the postseason. They know what they want. They know what they need. And I would expect to see another very competitive team, another team that's going to win 83, 84, 85 games again next season. Maybe not, maybe even more. You never know. I'm expecting it. Um, you know, I have a taste of the, the winning mentality, and I want to see so much more. You know, get into the dance. You never know what's going to happen. Um, I And nothing could have – this postseason could not have been possible without Luis Arias. How – awesome was Luis Arias somebody you know to be honest with you Kyle I didn't know a ton about him because I didn't watch the Minnesota Twins as much as you know other teams so we get him I start doing some research and this guy can flat out hit and wow could he hit just I think he's the best pure hitter in baseball right now and to to see him win another batting title and just become a real leader of this team was just awesome. No, no doubt. And I don't, I don't think you're far off from saying he's the best pure hitter in baseball. Like statistically, I think it's fair to say he would back that up. Just became the first player in major league baseball history to win a batting title in consecutive seasons in two different leagues with two different teams, obviously. Um, Unbelievable year. I mean, just, you know, we were in what June and we were still talking about a guy hitting 400. Yeah. How do you, you don't do that in today's day and age. These guys are throwing 97, 98. You're, heck, you're lucky to get a hit a night, right? Um, the one thing about Luis Arise, he is somehow an even better human than he is a player. Which, again, how do you not root for that? 
Right. He wants to shake your hand and say hello and genuinely ask you how you're doing every single day. That's an awesome human on top of an incredible baseball player. What a year. Um, obviously, he's going to be here for a while. And I'm sure talks will pick up next spring. I think next year is his final year of team control. So obviously, you'll start to hear some or two years from now. But you'll start to hear the talks about an extension, right? Because I, I think he made it abundantly clear that he likes playing in Miami. He backed that up. Um, that he's a leader. And it's a guy that you could absolutely build your team around. Absolutely. And you mentioned extension, and it got me to thinking about another extension on the horizon that isn't on the field, isn't playing, but is no doubt one of the key catalysts behind this postseason run. General Manager Kim Ng, with all the criticism she had um, you know, targeted at her and is she the right person for the job, what might be, Kyle, the best deadline addition um, that I've seen in the, definitely of the last five to ten years, I believe, with Josh Bell and Jake Berger just getting it done and putting her team in a position to make a run was awesome to see. She was fabulous. She was fabulous. Um, go, go go back to just little things in spring training. Garrett Hampson, yep. Yuli Duriel, um, you, you know, Obviously, the deadline, but uh, by the way, a, a rise for Pablo, it takes some serious guts. I mean, to, we, we play in a day and age where young, controllable starting pitching is at a premium. Like, you don't trade that away, right? But the Marlins and Kim knew what they needed, and they said, okay, you know, we're, we're willing to part with Pablo, who just had an unbelievable season in Minnesota. It's not very often anymore that a deal works out like that, where it was an unbelievable get for Minnesota and an unbelievable get for Miami. And Kim had to have the guts to pull the trigger on that. And she did, right? So it started with a rise, little subtle things in spring training. You mentioned Gurriel saying a month in, we can go to the playoffs, right? You need a veteran like that. Garrett Hampson. How about the impact a guy, little guy like Jonathan Davis had until he got hurt, right? You, you pick him up off the scrap heaps from AAA Toledo and the Tigers organization Comes to Colorado, his first or second game, he hits the homer, proved to play a terrific center field. You know, that, that, that somebody's got to pull the trigger on those deals. That's Kim Ang. And then obviously you get to the summertime with Josh Bell and Jake Berger. I think Josh Bell played so darn well, he'll probably opt out. I mean, that's how well he played. He can probably fetch himself a couple of years, maybe. It's with Miami. Um, and then Jake Berger. They got this guy for another four or five years. What the heck? I mean, yeah. I mean, he proved to be a guy that when, when you can look at your roster and say, we don't have to worry about that position, that's a great spot to be in. Miami doesn't have to worry about second base in Luis Arise. They don't have to worry about third base in Jake Berger. You don't really have to worry about any three outfield spots unless they try to upgrade over a Sanchez or a De La Cruz, but they're probably going to prioritize making sure that they feel good about the situation at shortstop and catcher. Right. So, man, like they're, they're in a good spot. Now they have work to do. There's work to do that. They're going to need starting pitching there. There's to me, there's no two ways about it. They ran out of it down the stretch. And unfortunately that happens, you know, you know, Sandy gets hurt in the Uri situation. You know, they, they were kind of left to piece it together down the stretch. There's a lot of work to be done, but there's a lot of really terrific pieces on this roster where you're like, okay, 
you have a good foundation. You can't build a home without a sturdy foundation, right? The, the foundation's there. Now you start building the house a little bit. And before you know it, you know, the foundation is there and the, the you know, that, that, that home's going up. So they're in a good spot. Oh yeah. The foundation's there. The culture has been set. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Skip is the man for the job. Kim, Kim is general manager. She's here for the long run. All the little moves you meant, you mentioned just really intricate, fabulous work she did down the stretch. And, you know, it's like you go, you look, you look ahead to 2024 and the work that has to be done. And of course, as we approach hot stove season, there's going to be different rumors of, you know, free agent signings or trades. But sometimes, you know, when, when you come to the end of a season and you have a run, you know, don't don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Um, mm-hmm. Have that reflection of look back, watch the highlights or listen to the games again and kind of just reminisce because for me i'd never seen the marlins in the playoffs unless you count 2020 and even then was was such a shaky year um but just an awesome season it's so great to reflect and think positively about this team at the end of a season rather than years before where we'll sit back and go oh we sucked again you know look at all the holes on the roster you know we can you and me can concrete concretely look at this roster and say, yeah, there's work to be done, but look at who we do have. Look at the Jake Burgers. Look at the Brian De La Cruzes and, and you know, and Jazz Chisholms who it, it's awesome. It's, it's great. There's hope. And there's a new lens for this team. Right. And you know, you don't, don't forget that there's young kids coming up, you know, does, uh, I saw that Jacob Berry just had a great week in, um, the Arizona Fall League, you know, does he play into the picture next year? I don't know. But, heck, if he starts hitting, all of a sudden he might have a first baseman of the future, right? That's a first-round draft pick. Like, there's young kids. Max Nassim Meyer. Nunez, Meyer, right? He'll come back. Nassim Nunez on the position player side. Like, there, there's work to be done, and they'll have to address certain needs through free agency. And they might not have the, the quantity of – prospects that other organizations have but they've got a few good ones and a few guys that will be big leaguers and i think the expectation obviously is that these these guys will not just be big leaguers but they'll be a staple of the franchise so they're in a good place right they're in a good place they have good players they need to get some better players and you gotta hope that organizationally from a minor league standpoint you can develop players and if you can do that you know that would remind you a lot about a team like the St. Louis Cardinals, where Skip Schumacher came from, right? Where the expectation was, if you're in, if it's October and the leaves are falling and changing colors, and you have to put a hooded sweatshirt on to go out there and play because it's cold, that's the expectation because you're deep into the postseason, right? Like you, you, season doesn't end on October first, and it didn't this year. So there's a lot to look forward to. There really is. Now, there's no telling what happens next year, right? You just right. don't know. Kim Ang is going to put this team and this coaching staff and the manager in the best possible position that they can as an organization to win. You don't know what will happen. Injuries will happen. You simply don't know how it will shake out. But I, the, the one point I would like to make to every Marlins fan is trust Kim, trust the organization, trust Bruce Sherman, and trust Skip Schumacher. 
to put a team out there that people will be proud of. And I think that's all you can ask as a fan. And I know that's what they're going to do. That's perfectly said. Um, perfectly said, Kyle. Thank you again for coming on to the show. We'll wrap it up. Enjoy the ride. Like, enjoy the ride being a Marlins fan. There's not a ton of us, you know, um, especially if you're not in South Florida. Um, you know, you see a Marlins fan, it's like, hey, like, how do you, how are you a Marlins fan? Like, but it's great. It's, it's a great time and it really was a special year. So thank you again for taking and sharing your insight. And it's awesome. It's awesome to hear Marlins Radio Network. Um, and for everybody listening, as always, let's go fish. Kyle, thank you again. Jeremiah, thank you for your service. Thank you for everything that you do. And uh, we need a lot more fans like you. I love it. Awesome. Have a good one, Kyle. Thank you.